You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. All right, get your Bibles. We're going to continue to learn about the authority of the believer. The authority of the believer. If you want to quickly look at Mark chapter 13. It's an example or a parable that Jesus spoke. Mark chapter 13. And uh, let's read it. Verse 34. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. So that's a picture of Jesus going to a far country. He left his house, the house of God. And he gave authority to his servants. Jesus went to heaven, but he gave us authority in this earth. We know that clearly in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Now, when I say the authority of the believer, I want to say it that way because a believer exercises authority. You can't exercise authority for God unless you believe in God. But the reality is you and I are exercising authority whether we realize it or not. Even if you're not a believer, you're still exercising authority over your life. So really, the authority is, is to a human being. God gave authority to mankind in the book of Genesis. So if you read the book of Genesis chapter 1, welcome Facebook community, the Facebook uh, guys that are watching. Genesis chapter 1 says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, You have to stop there and pause. Do you really believe that? God made God let us make man in our image. Who's speaking? God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God made us in his image and in his likeness. Why does the Bible say that we're children of God? Because we're his offspring. Because he's our father. We inherit the nature of our father. We get the DNA of God. God's DNA is inside of us. And when he made us, he said this, Let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Who's got dominion over all the earth? Mankind. What is God doing here? First of all, God is, in a sense, drawing a line and says, I give you, mankind, the authority. God himself won't step over that line. Because he said, I give you authority. as 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 a man, mankind... Human being, you have authority on this earth. Whether you realize it or not, you're exercising that authority. Could be for God, with God, for good, or could be with the devil and with evil for negative things and evil things. But you're exercising authority because God gave us the authority. God does not take it back. So who's in charge of the earth? We are if God gave it to us. The devil has no authority, not even over one square inch of this earth. Except what he can work through man. When mankind listen to him and believe the lie, then he works through the deception of us believing a lie. So we had to give Satan the authority, which that's what Adam and Eve did. They committed high treason. Basically, they said, no, we don't want to follow you, God. We want to follow. And they listened to the liar, Satan, lied to them. And they listened to, and Satan got the authority of the earth through man. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. The God of this world, not, not talking about the real God, big God, talking about the God of this world, which is Satan. Who's the God of this world? Satan is. And what has he done? Blinded the minds. Why is he trying to blind our minds? Because we've been given authority. So if he can blind your mind to not believe this, you, can't, you won't exercise your authority. He gave us authority of the earth. It says here in verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So male and female together make up the image and the likeness of God. Then God blessed and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. <coughs> Fill the earth and subdue it. That means to rule. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion. Have rule. I really, really want to state the fact that God put a line down and he gave us the authority. Now, there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Most of us will know it, but let me quote it. Death and life are in the power of the devil. Now, that's wrong, isn't it? But some people think that death and life are in the power of the devil. They're so afraid of him. Death and life is not in the power of the devil. We have this quote. Death and life are in the power of God. The Bible doesn't say that. It says death and life are in the power of your tongue. And they that love it, love what? The revelation that death and life is in the power of your tongue shall eat the fruit thereof. You've got to have the revelation that death and life is in the power of my tongue. So God's given us authority. How do we exercise that authority? What's under your nose, that little mouth of yours? You're exercising authority over your life. Whether you realize it or not, you're saying it all the time. Oh, no, we can't live there. That's impossible. No, it's too expensive to go there. You're just releasing your authority to believe for that. That's what you believe for. That's what you get. The authority has been given to you. Now, authority works very close together with faith. You can't have authority over something without automatically having faith with that. And if I've got faith, real godly faith given by God, I'm going to have authority. It's totally connected. It's our rights. It's like our rights and our privilege. It's just what belongs to us. The authority, you can't work for it. It just belongs to you. But first of all, you've got to understand, if we're made in God's image, we're made in God's likeness, we have to act like God and talk like God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God, like dear children. A little child does exactly, imitates its parents. The attitude, the tone, the speaking, the what they do, the behavior patterns. A child just imitates. True? I heard someone say, a child doesn't like to listen to its parents, but he will imitate them. They just do. You and I were created by God because we are made in His image to imitate Him. You know, that's a big thing to say that. You imitate. Well, we're, we're His offspring. We're sons. We're daughters of God. Don't we call God our Father? Of course, because we're His children. Sons and daughters, children of the living God. Beloved, how beautiful it is that God has called us His children. Amen. So if we're made in His image, you're made in His likeness, what is His image? It's like God took a selfie <laughs> and He made you. You've got to talk our language because that's exactly what He did. We're in His image. If I look in the mirror, I look at, at a, a likeness of myself. I know it's not the real me because it's in a mirror, but that's a picture. It's a reflection of Him. So His nature... That's who you are. Now, that's before the fall, isn't it? Obviously. The God is love and there's no selfishness in God at all. We know that. God is faith. 
in the heart of God, there's no fear in God whatsoever. God is joy, and in, in God, the joy that is, that God is full of joy. There is no depression in the heart of God at all. It's, just, it's, not, it's not existing. It just doesn't exist there. I can say a lot about God is hope, no despair in Him at all. This is who God is like. Well, you might ask, Adam and Eve were walking like that. Full of faith, no fear. Full of joy, not an ounce of depression. Full of peace, not a, no anxiety. I, I believe the glory of God was shining out of Adam and Eve, like bright, glorious, splendorous light, because I made in God's image. But when they disobeyed God, they committed high treason, they lost the presence and nature of God. They, they lost the nature of God, inherited spiritual death. Didn't God say, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. The day you eat of it. So in the day they ate of it, they died. They didn't physically die. They spiritually died. It took the devil thousands and thousands of years with Adam's mouth to finally physically die. They did die 900 years later. They lived longer. But it took a while for what they spoke to come into existence. But let me say this. If we're made in God's image, we're made in God's likeness, we know that God created the universe by how? By speaking the universe into existence. In Hebrews it says we know and understand that by faith God spoke. So in, even in Genesis, in the beginning, God said, light, be. He didn't think it. God didn't create the universe by thinking it into existence. He actually spoke. God is so powerful, just spoke, and the universe exploded into what he, sp what he spoke, created. So you know, God never speaks what he doesn't want. God never speaks what he doesn't want to happen. But we are the opposite because of our fallen nature. We speak a lot of things we actually don't want to happen. If, if, if you really believe your words had power and your words had weight and your words carried weight and authority, you'd be careful what you say. Because when you're driving the highway and someone pulls up in front of you, you're like, ah, oh, you idiot. Because if you had power in your words, the guy just became an idiot. If God gave you the power. Now, I want to learn. I say, God, teach me how to use this tongue because I want to operate in that authority. I want to speak what I speak actually happens. Samuel, God said in the Bible that not one word fell to the ground, that every word he ever spoke actually happened. That's a man, Samuel. As a prophet, whatever he decreed and spoke, it actually happened. So I want to learn how to speak things like, you know, our words can destroy. Do you believe that your words can destroy? And our words can create. Depends on what we speak and how we speak. But I'm speaking according to what's inside of me. Whatever's in me, I end up speaking it. If I don't like myself, I don't love myself, I hate everyone. And if I'm upset with myself, I'm upset with everybody else. Most people are upset with others because they're not happy with themselves. You don't have peace within yourself. You know, Jesus took uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He's saying something so powerful. When I was a baby Christian, I first read this. I, I, it really excited me because I thought, wow, no one's ever taught me how to live life. This is the manual of life. This is how I live life. God's Word gives me instructions how to live life. I'd never clue how to live life before I read the Word at the age of 19. And, and, and Jesus says a, a, a good tree, if it's healthy in its roots, cannot produce bad fruit. And an evil tree, like if it's corrupt in its roots and unhealthy in its roots, will have bad fruits. It's simple, isn't it? He's using tree, an allegory, and a picture, and say, you know, just like the tree, if it's, if it's unhealthy in its roots, it will have, un, have unhealthy fruit. 
A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Then he says this, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. It's like he's trying to answer, how do things happen in our lives? Whatever will be, will be. Just destiny happens. I can't help. I just, I just float around, see what life's going to give me. Whatever happens, it's just fate. Oh, it's just destiny. Oh. Most people live their life like that. They're not in control. They just, oh, I'm just going to. Not to say we're in control. We're in, we're, we're in control for the, to the degree that we're submitted to God. Through the degree that I have a relationship with God and I listen to God and I hear His word and I find out His purpose, His calling, His heart for my life, His desire. Now I'm speaking what He's saying over my life. Then I'm leading my life. Then I'm ruling my life. If my thoughts are negative or insecure and twisted, then I will end up speaking that. And if it's not according to what God says, I say, God, fix my thinking. This is how you exercise authority. It starts with your thinking. A good man... Out of the good treasure that's in his heart brings forth good things. An evil man. Now that word sometimes trumps us with, oh, I'm not evil, Leo. That's just not us. And it's not me. I'm not evil. Don't, don't say I'm evil. Now the word evil in the Bible means perverted, twisted. It means to pervert the truth. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, depart from an evil heart of unbelief. Have you ever had unbelief? Come on, how many times have we had unbelief? Unbelief, I've had it a lot of times. If I, even if I think of something that God wants me to have, I might have unbelief to that. He's saying, Leah, you can believe for this, and I have unbelief. So depart from an evil heart of unbelief. Well, I don't trust God. Depart from an evil heart of unbelief. So let's say this way. An evil, insecure, fearful, unbelieving heart. Insecure, fearful, brings forth insecure, fearful, unbelieving things into his life. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. In other words, you're saying, you know what, what's happening in your life? Whatever's in your heart, you end up speaking. What you're speaking, you end up getting. Because God gave you the authority. The good news is you can change what's in your heart. You and I can change it by putting the Word of God into our heart. At the age of 19, that's what I did. I made a decision that I'm going to put this Word of God to renew my thinking, reprogram my brain, my mind, and put this Word into my heart until I start to speak what God's Word says over our lives. Over and over and over. And I catch myself many times, say things that I shouldn't say. But forgive me for that. I shouldn't have said that. I might say something. Take it back. I said, Sorry for saying that, honey. And I, you know, bring it back. Because I don't want my words out. I believe in my word. I believe my words are seeds that operate like seeds. I plant a seed and I keep saying the same thing over that seed. I'm watering that seed. That seed will become a tree and I'm going to eat the fruit of that tree. Because death and life are in the power of what? Your tongue. My tongue. So the devil, if he can deceive you, to not believe this, he takes your tongue and smashes you with that authority he's given you and bashes you over the head with it. The devil takes your tongue and beats you over with it. That's why we've got to know what we're saying. Speaking according to God's word. God has given us authority. Luke 15, the story of the parable, just quickly, a parable of the lost, uh, the prodigal son. You know, Jesus used that example, the prodigal son. The father had two sons and one younger son wanted... His inheritance. Give me my inheritance now. And the father gave it to him. Took all the inheritance, a lot of money, and he went off and lived for himself, selfishly, and wasted it all with all sorts of living. Once he ran out of money and no, no one around him anymore, no one, no one used him for his money, all his friends left him. Now he couldn't find a job. There was a big famine. And he ended up feeding the pigs. Just to stay alive, he started eating the food that the pigs were eating. He got so hungry and so desperate and so humbled, he thought to himself, you know what? Came to himself that my my servants in my father's house eat better than this. I'm going to get up. I'm going back home. I, 
I don't even want to be a son. He goes, I just want to be a servant in my father's house. His attitude was the Babylonian system of the world. Let me just go back and bring that into my father's house. And the father had nothing, didn't want nothing to do with it. Because you are not going to come back to my house and be a servant. The Bible says when the son came back, the father saw him from far away. The father just didn't see him. I personally feel that every time the father was doing his work in the fields, he always looked down the road. Always, every day. I just think he always looked. Father's heart had to let him go, but he's always looking. And when the son came back home, the Bible says the father drops everything and runs to the son. Runs. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the father runs to us except for there. He runs to the prodigal son and hugs him and, and I believe weeps over him and hugs his neck. And then he, and he comes brings him into the house. He's so excited. He wants to chuck a party. Let's celebrate. The son that was dead is now alive. And he goes, put, your, put, your, put sandals on his feet. Because only slaves wore barefoot. He has, he's my son in this house. Give him his sandals. Give him his robe. He's not a servant. He wanted just to be a servant. He saw himself as unworthy and I don't deserve it. You know? he said, no, I give you the rope. And on top of that, I give you the ring to sign on the behalf of the family's name. I automatically give you authority to sign. Those rings are literally stamped and paid for things. Stamp of a seal of approval of the father family name. And he goes, I'm not going to wait for you to be a Christian for 30 years. I give you authority automatically. That's what God does. As soon as you become born again, as soon as you become a believer, you get delegated authority. Now remember we said that Adam and Eve lost that authority, didn't they? And Satan took it. So through deception... Who's the God of this world? Satan. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded, blinded the minds. God wants us to see what we have. The devil doesn't want us to see what God has given us. We have to see what God has given us because the devil's blinded and, and, and the, the little God of this world has been given authority by man to rule. So through deception, Satan rules through people's deception. But we don't have to be like that. We've come into the kingdom of light and we, our minds are being opened. And now we exercise our authority because it's God-given. Yes, yes, Satan took on Adam as a man and stripped him of authority. But God brought in another Adam. The Bible says Jesus was the last Adam and the second Adam. What was he doing? He was representing mankind. Jesus referred to himself as the son of Adam. So many times, the son of man, he said. The word man means Adam, literally in the Greek. The son of man, the son of Adam, the son of Adam. He referred to himself that way so many times. Because yes, he's God in the flesh. But Philippians tells us he emptied himself of the privilege of being God so that he became a man, fully man. He takes on the devil as a man. Not as God. Because it wouldn't have been a fair fight. He was fighting on our behalf. So he takes on the devil as a man. And wins on our behalf. So he strips Satan of the authority that he did have and gives it back to mankind. How did he do that? We know that he died on the cross. He never sinned. He always obeyed God. He was an obedient son, perfect son of obedience. He had no sin in him, but yet he dies on the cross as if he was the sinner. So the, the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin on the cross. Became, didn't commit, became sin on the cross. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We didn't commit righteousness but we become righteous by faith. Great exchange took place. So because he consumed the judgment of God, the penalty of God, when he, and he was righteous, Satan had no legal right to put death on a man who never disobeyed God. Had no legal right. He did something illegal. Satan did. 
by putting death on a man who didn't deserve it. Which then, when he, because he's the son of the living God never sinned, he knew he'd be raised again on the third day. He told everybody. He goes to hell, strips Satan of the keys of the authority, and takes them. And when he resurrects, he's got the keys of death and hell. And anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. That's how you get your sins forgiven. It's the only way you get your sins forgiven, when you believe in the one who was unrighteously, illegally mistreated and consumed the penalty of sin for us on our behalf. So basically, he took on the devil, fought, him, fought the devil on our behalf as a man, and now he says, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. To understand your authority, you have to understand three things. Redemption, which I'm talking about right now. That's what we're talking about. Understand your redemption. The word redemption means to be bought back. We're fully bought back by God. We don't, we don't belong to the enemy. We belong to God. We're his children. We're his sons. We have to understand that so much to the point where we know that that's who we are. And we have to understand our righteousness, right standing with God, the ability to stand in the presence of Almighty God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. Imagine that. To stand before God's presence, how holy he is, how beautiful he is. I mean, God spoke the Son into being. He's brilliant light. If you were translated into the very throne of God, where you got right in front of God, man, without God's righteousness, you would disintegrate because of the glory of God. But we can stand in the presence of God without any condemnation or guilt or shame because of what God did in Christ. He welcomes us in his presence. Even though he's holy, he made us right so that we can come. Isn't that beautiful? It's his invitation. It's his calling. It was his plan. It was his purpose, his redemption. He came up with it. It was his idea, not ours. We just accept it. That's that's what's right standing. If you don't know your right standing, how can you exercise your authority? Redemption, righteousness, and the other one is resistance. Tonight I'm going to talk about resisting him. How do we resist him? Redemption, righteousness, and resistance. Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's true, but I just quoted out of context, on purpose. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Have you ever tried to resist the devil and he didn't, resi- didn't flee? It's because you weren't submitted in that area. And if you submit yourself to the authority of God, then you resist the devil, he'll flee. Why? Because look at it this way. If I submit myself to the authority of God... God's word, I submit and obey God. God. God's word is light. Entrance of thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my pathway. I'm submitting myself to light. Yeah. Resist the darkness. And the darkness will flee because you've got light on. Come on. That's right. I mean, literally, Satan will run from you. Amen. When you resist him, if you're submitted to God. If you're not submitted to God, you're trying to resist all your light and your own strength. He's not going to listen to you. Because there's darkness in you trying to resist darkness. Your confidence has to be in the armor of God. When the armor of God's on, yeah. righteousness is one of the parts, isn't it? Breastplate of righteousness. Wow. I know friends of mine who've, who've, who've somehow, through many, many years, so sad, pastors and preachers, not a few, one quite close, but somehow the righteous armor came off, fell into sin, fell into adultery, with his own congregation. No matter how much you resist the devil, you're not going to win that fight. Caught up with him, he lost everything. Everything he built for 20 years, lost it. Why? Because you're going to resist the devil. You have to submit yourself to God to resist the devil. So if you're committing something, sin, sexual sin, you try to to resist the devil, he's not going to flee from you. You've got to submit yourself to God. 
to resist the devil. It's true of every truth. If you want to be, if you're selfish and stingy and greedy and not, not, not generous, not giving to God, you try to resist and try to teach other people to be generous. No one's going to listen to you if you're not generous. If you're generous and you're giving and you put God first, then you can lead others into it. You can resist the devil. He'll flee from you. It's submitting yourself to the authority of God. If you've got your Bibles in, Je- in Ephesians, we're talking about our redemption. Man, this redemption subject is not just a subject. I mean, really, it's a reality. It really is a reality. Heaven is far more a reality than earth. Did you know that? Far more of a reality. God, who is spirit, created everything that's physical by his faith. The unseen world created the seen world. Did you know that? Hebrews says that. The unseen world created everything that was seen. Faith is created what was seen and what's tangible. I was thinking about the other day in God's presence. I was thinking about, I've only had 50 years on this planet, and I feel like I've got awareness and a consciousness that I'm alive. But before I was, 50 years ago, I wasn't even a, a, a person. I wasn't aware. I wasn't conscious. But there was people on this planet that were just as real as me. They were here. They're gone now. 100 years ago, there were people on this planet. They're gone. And I thought about for thousands of years, the realities of all the people that lived in the history, Jesus himself and all the people in the Old Testament, realities, real. Then I thought of heaven. And one day there was no universe. There was no sun, no moon, no earth. God created all that. One day there was just God and there was no angels. God created angels. The reality of who God is. God. In the beginning was God. No one created God. My brain doesn't go through there. My brain doesn't compute. Well, don't you have a beginning? Why God? Or why life? Why you? Why me? Why God? You know what I mean? You get really deep here, but anyway. (laughs) Ephesians. I just want to show you the reality of what we're learning is real. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, the great apostle who wrote 14 letters of the New Testament, gives us some revelation. And we know this. In chapter 3, he tells us that he is uh, revealing to them the mystery in chapter 1 and chapter 2. The mystery of Christ is, he goes, as I have written a thought in a few words. He's saying that in chapter 3. That means chapter 1 and chapter 2 is his revelation of the mystery of Christ. His insight to this mystery. That's Paul, one man who has a, a, a great revelation, but doesn't have all of it. The riches of Christ, the Bible says, is unsearchable riches of Christ. So we're talking about reality that's unsearchable, but we've got to know some, some things to walk in the reality of it. And so verse 17 says, this is what he prays. This is Paul's heart as an apostle, as a man of God. The God, the, 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 sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. What's his heart's desire? That you and I will be given a spirit of wisdom. I need wisdom to understand the knowledge of Him. Spirit of wisdom and I need the spirit of revelation to know Him. So what's the point? It's knowing Him, isn't it? Why are we gathered together today? To know Him. It's not about church, Christianity. or anything. It's about knowing God the Father. And we know Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And he goes on to say, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. When you look up the word understanding, it means deep thought and it means imagination. That's what the word means in the Greek. The eyes of your deep thinking, the eyes of your imagination. I like the word imagination because it gives me a picture of image, image. 
imagination. The word imagination has image in it. To image, to imagine it. What is my image of God? What's my image of myself? You have an image of yourself, whether you realize it or not. Because that's how you're exercising authority. If you're afraid of the devil, you don't know your authority. I'm telling you that now. If the devil walked into your room and you're full of fear and terror, you don't know your authority. Just being really honest. If you have a nightmare and you wake up, you have a second of fear, you still don't know your authority. You should wake up as soon as you're awake, there should be no fear. Now, I understand when you're half asleep, half awake, all that, the demons could affect you. But once you're awake and aware and you know you can exercise your authority, man, he's running. He's fearful. He's, he's already gone. I know that through experience because I've been a baby Christian and I've been attacked and I know the fear, I know the reality, I know demons attack you when you have nightmares, all that sort of stuff and even real dreams and real stuff, sorry, not just dreams but real attacks. In a room like this, there'll be a number of people that have, have had those experiences. I'm talking about that real fear that people have had waking up and, and you can't shake it off for ages. Get to know who you are, the authority that you have. The eyes, the eyes means vision. So like, let's say it this way, that he would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes or the vision of your imagination being enlightened, so that, this is the whole point of it, my understanding, my imagination, my deep thinking, my thoughts, my imagination will know what is the hope of his calling. Do you know what is the hope of our calling? The first thing I can think of is the fact that we're called to know him. A calling of relationship with God, that God, by His Spirit, lives in us. It's part of my calling. Man, there's a lot of things that God has called us into. He gave us authority. He gave us power. You know, He's given us the, the gospel, the good news, to preach, to set people free, to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to set captives free, to have a revelation, to understand there's mansions in heaven. Right now, you're so important that someone and some angels are building your mansion in heaven. Oh, I don't believe it. Oh, the Bible says it. Jesus says it. Jesus said he's building, I'm going home, I'm going to a place and I'm building mansions. Amen. Right now, thinking about today when we're worshiping, right now, someone's building my mansion. Wow. Someone's busy at work in heaven. And a mansion, what's the definition of a mansion? Big. Yeah. Never saw a, a small trailer mansion, small caravan mansion. Mansion means big. God is creating a beautiful mansion for you and he knows exactly what you like. He says, what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the riches of the glory? We need to know this. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. Well, we know that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Do you know that? Christ in us is the hope of glory. The hope of glory. The earnest expectation of glory. We have glory inside of us. Paul says that this glory is in earthen vessels. Talking about this physical body. It's right in us right now. The glory is at work in us. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? That means if you don't believe, you're not going to walk in the exceeding greatness of his power. You have to believe to walk in it. If you, are, you, know, like you might say, well, how come things happen and, and bad things happen and nothing? I don't see God at work in my life. Well, because you've got you to believe. It says, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, he's talking about this. He's talking about 
that our eyes will be open to the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. We have to believe it, yes. But what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? It says, according. Now he's given us, given us the revelation. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what God did in Christ was the exceeding greatness of his power. What God did in Christ. True? 100% true. When, when God raised Lazarus from the dead, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He's a man that was raised from the dead. It was pretty powerful to do that. It takes power. But Lazarus died again. You know that. Many years later, he ended up dying. Many, many, many years later. Probably an old man. But he had to die again. You know that. True? Yeah. What God did in Christ was completely different than what God did in Lazarus. Because Christ is dying for the sins of humanity. All the sins of humanity, every single person that ever existed, was put upon Christ. And I'm telling you, I know this because of the Word of God, that all the demons in hell were trying to keep him dead. That all, hell, Satan, everything, all his cohorts, he would have spoken to all his commanders, all, everyone that he's in authority over, all the fallen angels, keep that man dead. But they couldn't. That's the power that God exercised. God just lifted his little finger and bang, raised him from the dead. Didn't even have a chance. But he tried. I'm sure he tried, but he can't. How can darkness expel light? It just doesn't work. That's how you got to see it. Literally, every time you think of the enemy, think of light. How to, turn the light on, the darkness doesn't, never wins. There's never a fight between darkness and light. What's going to win today? I'll turn the light on in the room. Who's going to win? Light always wins. Darkness is the absence of light. Da- darkness can't be measured except through the, abs- it's the absence of light. It's not an entity of itself. It's the absence of something. So when you've got light in you, darkness leaves. The power that God demonstrated in Christ is so powerful because he, the devils, all the devils in hell try to keep him dead. We know that. But when he raised him from the dead, he came back to life. And the Bible says, if, the word far above, look at this, what it says. And he raised him up from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So every principalities and powers, talking about demons, evil spirits, you know that. And every name that can be named. Name a name. Demons, cancer, AIDS, storms, any disease you can think of is a name. A storm, tsunami is a name. Every name that is named, Jesus, the Bible says, is far above. The word far above literally means this, exceedingly, abundantly, far, 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 far above principalities and powers. And you might sit there and go, oh, that's Jesus, Leo. That's just, just continue to read the Bible, right? You know, Paul knew something we don't know yet as a modern church. We're getting there. We're getting to know our identity. We're getting to know our authority. We're getting to know who we are in Christ. All around the world, we're learning. All around the world, the people are preaching on our identity, who we are, who we are. Paul knew something, I believe, because he was preaching one time and on the third level of the building, on the third story, one person fell asleep on the window frame, fell down, died. They're all freaking out, commotion. They all ran down. Paul went down and hugged him. He's all right. Life is in him. The anointing in him brings him back to life. He came back to life. And everyone was shocked that he came back to life. One time in Lystra, another place, a man who'd never walked for 38 years, he just says, rise up on your feet and walk. Guys, got skin and bones, I mean, no muscles, never walked before, and rose up and walked in front of everybody. Paul has a revelation of this. Remember the demons? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? The ones that are trying to cast out the sons of Sceva. Paul knew something. I want to know what Paul knew. Can I tell you what I think Paul knew? 
It didn't just stop with Jesus. No one has a problem with Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. He also raised you up and seated you up, raised you from your spiritual death and raised you up together with Christ. Doesn't your Bible say that if you know it? Let's read it. Right? Because when you read the Bible, chapter 2 was not there. Paul didn't write chapter 2, end of chapter 1, finish thought, start a new thought. That's just there for us to go do studies. We put that in, not Paul. So when Paul was writing, far above all principalities and power, might, dominion, every name, and he put all things under his feet. All means all. All things under his feet. What, what part of the feet? Is the feet in the body? Is the feet in the body of Christ? So the feet, if it's the feet in the body of Christ, you can be the pinky in the body of Christ. The smallest part of the member, you're still in the body of Christ. We are part of that body. So all things have been put under our feet. And he goes, and gave him, just in case you don't believe about the feet revelation, gave him to be head over all things to the church. In other words, Jesus is the head. He gave him all things over the church, which is his body. Like, just in case you're not getting it, we're talking about his body. We are his body. All things are put under our feet as his body. The fullness of him who fills all things. And he goes on to say, and you, he made alive. So he didn't stop the thought. The resurrection of Christ, the re- that's powerful. The reason why it's powerful, it raised every single person that believed in Christ as well, from the dead. And so, you, he made alive. Why did he make you alive? Because you were dead in your spiritual death. I was dead in my spiritual death, in my sin. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. If I'm dead, I have to come alive. That's what the born again experience is. That's why you must be born again to see heaven. And to be in heaven, in which you were walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, you used to do this, spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among also whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We lost the nature of God, but we became the nature of wrath, just as the others. But God, this is the continuation of that thought of God raising Jesus from the dead, far above all principalities. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. Verse 6 in your Bible. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're seated in him, that's your position, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, you're seated there, you are far, 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 far above Satan. Not a little bit over. Just have to speak once and he'll obey you. Just have to speak once and he has to obey you. The authority of a person is the weight of that authority. I was saying about perhaps being a policeman. And he's short like I'm short. But if he stops the person and the guy doesn't want to stop, he's got a revolver. So what can he do? He can take the gun out and say, you, you know, the guy wants to run him over. He can use force. But if he doesn't listen there, he, also, he can call for backup, can't he? Yeah. If he gets the backup, and if they still don't want to listen, they get more backup, the whole police force will come. And if they still don't want to listen, you can get the army of Australia to back the authority of police. If you have a riot, if you have a rebellion, that's what would happen. You come against the authority behind the authority. So when you're speaking, it's not you, it's Jesus, the Almighty One. All of heaven with all his mighty warring angels will force the demons to bow. Has to. What's the image that you have? 
that Satan is more powerful than you. We talk about the devil sometimes. He's so powerful when you've been far, 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 far above him, his authority. You sit at the right hand of the Father. When you speak, submit to God, submit to the authority of God. When you speak, he runs. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.